Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. When I was a child, one of my favorite traditions of the Advent season was an Advent calendar. Perhaps you had one when you were a child, or maybe even have one now. I certainly take a lot of pleasure in helping Bella with hers. Anyway, on the 1st of December, with an Advent calendar, one begins to mark off the days to Christmas, one at a time. Sometimes the calendar uses just a simple marker that you move from day to day. Other times there's a little ornament, a toy, or a piece of candy inside each day's little door. On some calendars, the days are numbered consecutively, others randomly. Some count up, some count down. Regardless, I'm glad to see that they're still around because they represent one of the most important Advent traditions we have in Christianity, that is waiting. As I said, Bella has an Advent calendar this year, and every night we open up one of the little doors. And this year there's a little Lego Christmas ornament we put together. And inevitably, we finish the day's ornament, and the question comes immediately. Can we do the next one now? And each night, some cajoling follows, and I somehow convince her that the next one will have to wait until tomorrow. Of course, this comes as a little surprise to me, and I doubt it surprises you either, because who wants to wait? No one. And today's world, it seems, and in today's world, it seems that we never have to wait. You want the news? Well, there's no waiting for the news to spread organically from village to village. There's no evening broadcast to wait for. You can just hop on Twitter and get your fill in real time. Of course, keep your wits about you. It does seem that fake stories travel as fast or faster than the real ones. You wanna watch your favorite TV show? Wasn't so easy when I was a kid. You had to look up when it was going to happen, wait expectantly for Saturday morning at 10 o'clock to watch it. But now you just get on Netflix, YouTube, or Hulu. In the eternal words of Queen, I want it all, and I want it now. So imagine what it must have felt like to be one of the Jews hundreds of years before Christ. The prophets told them that a king who would deliver them was coming. But after a few years, you tend to get tired of waiting. Worse, you watch generation after generation die in captivity under the Babylonians and then under the dominion of the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. Hey God, are you still there? So when Jesus tells his disciples in our gospel passage today that they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It must have been the most exciting news they had ever heard. Their salvation from the Romans was finally here. But we all know what comes next. And it wasn't exactly the gift that any of them were expecting. Despite Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he would soon be hanging dead on a wooden cross with the disciples cowering in fear behind locked doors, 
wondering how they had been led so astray by someone who seemed to be the real thing. Of course, he was the real thing. And the, re the, re the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus and the descent of the Holy Spirit certainly restored their hope that Jesus was really going to come and transform their day-to-day -day life and free them from Roman impression. In fact, all but one of the apostles would die a martyr, and John the unmartyred would die in forced exile because their lives were so transformed by Jesus they were willing to die for that truth. But it's clear from the letters of the New Testament that Paul thought Jesus was coming very soon, chronologically. For example, we see this in the passages where he explains what will happen to those still alive when Jesus returns. He was talking to his congregation, just as I'm talking to you, telling them what was going to happen to them when Jesus came. But then the apostles began to die. No second coming. That generation did pass away, and many more. Still no second coming. Here we all are, still waiting. So what happened? As usual, we're the ones who are narrow-minded. We think we were somehow lied to because we didn't get what we expected or what we hear in our own interpretation of Jesus' words. Instead, what we got was more than anything we could have even dreamed of. What we got was more than all who had waited in the generations before could have imagined. God himself loved us so much that he came to save us, taking on human flesh. Indeed, everything that is, makes us human walked among us, died for us. And in his death, we so see part of the solution to this paradox. Even though St. Paul seems to have been expecting Jesus' return sooner rather than later in chronological time, St. Paul also completely understood the meaning of Jesus' prophecy to his disciples. And he knew that for God, things can be both now and later, both and instead of either or. St. Paul tells us in the 15th, chap 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. After destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. So we hear from St. Paul that the last enemy of God is death. And when it's destroyed, Christ will deliver the kingdom to the Father. But St. Paul knew, and we all as Christians believe, that that's already happened. It happened on and through the cross. And so in that way, the prophecy was fulfilled. We believe that when the Son of God, who was also a real man and the only man to be perfectly faithful to God, when he was murdered on the cross, he conquered the final enemy of God, death. He was resurrected, and he poured out the Holy Spirit, the power of God upon the people, making them the temple of the living God, and destroyed the physical temple in Jerusalem. History is over. The kingdom of God is here. It is finished, as Christ himself proclaimed from that blessed tree.
and yet we also wait. Like so many things in our faith, it is not either or, but both and. It is finished, and yet we wait for the finish. But why? Why didn't God just really finish it all on the cross and immediately usher everyone into the glorious age that we wait expectantly as part of this Advent season? Well, we should all be glad that God chose not to come back way back then because none of us would be here to have the opportunity to experience God's love and joy for us. Our very being is an expression of God's love for us. And St. Peter understood this too and tells another important reason that Jesus seems to tarry in his second epistle. Peter says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And later tells us to count the patience of our Lord as salvation. St. Peter is telling us that God is slow, in our terms, because he loves us so much that he hopes we will all repent. Now that we are here through God's love, we are further sustained through God's love that we may come to repentance and salvation. And through that repentance and salvation, we will never die, but live for eternity with God in his glorious kingdom fulfilled. So what should we do while we're waiting? St. Peter tells us, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. I, I hear three things that St. Peter wants us to be doing. First, we're supposed to wait, but wait actively. We don't just stand, passively stand in line waiting for our turn. Instead, while we wait, we're supposed to be diligent in our repentance, our metanoia. That means changing our minds. That leads to a change in our actions. That we will renew ourselves and maintain ourselves in lives of holiness and godliness. It isn't easy work. And that's why it calls for diligence and persistence, as Father Michael discussed with us last week. As this year comes to a close, many of us begin to reflect on the past year and consider what we can do next year. So as part of that natural activity, I urge you to reflect on what you can change that will align yourself more with your God, that when he comes, you will be found without spot or blemish. Second, St. Peter tells us to be at peace. That means to keep calm and carry on. Jesus himself told his disciples that when he is coming back is nobody's business but the Father's. Thus, it is something that any worries we have about will be of no avail. Live a life of peace and offer it to those around you. And finally, and I love this so much, St. Peter tells us we just shouldn't be waiting for, but also hastening the coming of the day of God. How can we make Jesus come back faster? 
I think Peter probably in part was thinking that if we repent well, then God won't have to wait as long because we'll be in better shape and he can come on back instead of needing to be so long-suffering with respect to our disobedience. And there is truth in that. But I think more importantly, too, we hasten Jesus' second coming by living up to our title, Christians, Little Christ. We can bring back Jesus right now by being him, by being Jesus Christ to the world around us. We are the body of Christ. Jesus has already come back. Through the Holy Spirit poured out on the church, God is in us. We are his hands and feet. We are the light of God to the world around us. So today, go forth and bring Jesus back right now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.